Hey, it's Pastor Cody, and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you from our last Young Adults Third Wednesday service. And hey, we'd love to help you get more connected to FCYA here in Orange County. For more information on how to do so, just follow us on Instagram or text FCOCYA to 313131. We hope that you enjoyed this episode, but be sure to join us next month for our next FCYA Third Wednesday gathering. We'll see you soon. So tonight, just this idea of, as I get this situated a little bit here, um, tonight just this idea about calling. I think for us young adults, this is a question that many of us would have. It's right about somewhere between college age, career age, that we really begin to unpack this idea of, I think, first of all, what does God want for me? Second of all, what does God want from me? Really just this idea of what am I called to and kind of unpacking this. And so I want to just make a special welcome. Louis is a great friend of mine. He's been a friend of Free Chapel for a while. He's a uh, designer, owns a clothing brand called The Promised Land. And he's going to tell us a little bit about his story. But thanks for being with us, bro. Awesome, man. I'm excited to be here tonight. I was sharing with Cody that um, I haven't been in a service for, since quarantine. So it's been over a year. And I love interacting with people, so I'm looking forward to meeting you guys after. And just being here just feels so good to be back out with no masks on, right? Come on, first but, first church service. That's incredible. Clap your hands for the first church service since quarantine. If you're happy to be in church. Um, so a little bit about myself. Uh, um, I'm married. I have four kids. Um I'm 35 years old, and um, you know I have a, a clothing line that's called the Promised Land. Uh, reason for that is um, it's to help underprivileged youth. Um, growing up, my dad was in prison for about eight years, from when I was eight to I was 16. So I didn't have my dad growing up. Um, you know, growing up, I had we lived in a one-bedroom apartment with my mom and my brothers. And my brother dropped out of high school early to help my mom out and step up and do all that stuff. So um, I just wanted to give back to the to the kids that like that were that are in my position growing up. Um, so that's the reason for that. But I enjoy being with people. I enjoy fashion, love fashion. Um, and I just I don't know, man, I, I love being able to share my experiences so that you guys don't go through the same stuff I went through. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about his brand in, in a moment here tonight, but just want to even start at that 30,000-foot view, talking about calling. And so um, maybe just to set this up here for a moment, I think all of us have this question, and I think the question, as I've been reflecting on it this week, comes from a tension that we all feel between like our work life and our uh, church life or our spiritual life. And there is this tension, I think, that we all feel of how do I connect my work to God's work. And I think that for all of us, just understanding, if you ask someone, hey, what are you called to? Chances are they're going to answer you with a position. They're going to answer you with a job title. This is what I'm called to do. But regardless of whether that's vocational ministry or in any other sense of work, this is kind of a unfamiliar concept in the Bible. I want to read just one passage of scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, one verse, verse 3 this is what it says. It says, we remember before God, our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope, 
in our Lord Jesus. So just think about this for a moment tonight in the sense of calling. That work should be something that is the result of faith. Work should be something that's produced by love. As if to say that calling isn't just a position that you hold. See, I think to God, the work that we have isn't the end goal. God isn't calling you to a position. Actually, I think that the work that you're called to do is just the means to the end. That once you become a Christian and unpack this idea of what does God want for me, that our whole lives, actually at one point in the Bible, the challenge that we have is all of our lives should be used as a way to bring glory to God. Paul even says that our eating and our drinking lives should be used as a means to glorify God. And so just from this idea, can you talk about how you kind of developed your calling, maybe what you understand your calling to be, and where did, where did you, that journey of unpacking, like this is what I'm called to beyond a job? So I would say... Um, if you don't know what your calling is, it's normal. Yeah. Um, but what happened was I started going to church and opportunities started to come up. Right. And, it, you know, um, I didn't know I was called to youth. I didn't know I was called to any of that stuff. What I did know was that I had to say yes to whatever opportunity came up in front of me. And the first thing that came up was being security at church. Right. So I said yes to that. Once that once I said yes to that. Then I started to, you know, other doors started to open up. Hey, we got a position in youth if you want to come help out. Yeah. And, um, but in my mind, calling was just, I didn't really know what calling meant um, because I was working regular jobs, right? Um, I didn't know what my purpose was. I didn't, sometimes we walk around not knowing what our purpose in life is. And I think starting to build a relationship with God is what opened my eyes up to that. And then saying the first yes, then it went from there. It was like, it's like God gave me that little, that test, right? It's like, is he going to say yes to this? Because once he says yes to this, then I can start opening doors to where I want him to go. Hmm. Um, so the first thing was saying yes to security and then started volunteering with youth kids. Um, now I hadn't been in church. I mean, I didn't grow up in church, right? We used to go to like Ash Wednesday because we were raised Catholic, right? <laughs> and that was like it. Um, so then I started seeing what people were doing. And I was like, man, I wish when I started in youth. Oh, so this is what happened. So security st allowed me to start building relationships with the kids, right? Because I would see them. I would talk to them. We would engage. We would talk sports or whatever, right? And um, after that, when I was asked to do it, I was already familiar with the kids, so they were kind of uh, comfortable around me, right? Sure. So they, they, they knew who I was, and I had been around for a few years and stuff. And um, once I started doing that, I saw what the leaders were doing with those kids. I saw the impact that they were having on those kids. Mm. And for me, it was like, man, I wish I had that when I was their age. So that's what, when I saw that, I think that was the first time I realized, like, dude, I could work with youth kids. Like, I, I could see myself doing this. But I thought that was just some, like something in my heart that I just wanted to do. And it was something in my heart, but I didn't know that God had placed it there, right? Um, so I think really that was the, the first step towards finding what my calling was. Yeah, so just, I mean, you talked about two things that I think are really powerful there. Because number one, it just starts by saying yes. Right. I think in developing, many of us are like crippled in trying to understand what it is I'm called to. And we never actually take a step of faith out because we're worried, what if this isn't it? Right. 
But I think what you're saying is, what if it is? You know, what if this is just the, the part of, I think, understanding your calling is just the journey that you're on, looking back on like, and it speaks to what we're talking about, that all of these things aren't really just the end in themselves. It's the means that God will use right. to get something deeper. But then you talk about how there's something that even was in your heart that you didn't know that God had placed there. And there's kind of just something that develops within you. I think it starts by understanding that once God reveals a need to you, the only response is to act. And there's this sense of like, we have to kind of open up our hearts to what God may be speaking to us. So one thing in our conversation that I love that you've talked about is all of these different journeys that you had. And I think part of your story is really special because you were doing ministry and then you actually left ministry, but your calling has remained the same. I think that's a, a little bit of a reverse process than you hear about. That's, you know, many of us would think, oh, I was doing this, but then I entered vocational ministry. I love your story because it's been the opposite. But talk about like how your calling has kind of stayed the same beyond a position. So I think, um, I think the one thing that I found was that your passion becomes your purpose mm. and then your purpose becomes your passion, right? Because the Bible says that God gives you the desires of your heart. So if it's in your heart, he's going to give that to you. When I started working with these kids, I saw that some, you know, you see them in church, so you think everything's fine. But then you get those one-on-one conversations and you start to realize, man, they're broken. They're, they're going through some stuff and I could help them with it because I've been through that, right? Um, so I was doing youth and a lot of times we see ourselves doing that one thing forever. Um, and I, that's what I thought. I was like, man, this is, this is it. Like, I'm going to be a youth pastor. I'm going to do this. I'm... I'm just going to roll with it, right? Yeah. And um, that season came to an end, and I'm grateful for it because even though that season came to an end, my purpose didn't, right? Um, uh, for two years, I think I, t- I took two years off um, just because I have a bunch of kids, so my wife needed help at home. Um, but I took two years off, and I started working on my clothing line. That, that's the one thing I started focusing on, and, and it wasn't even... My idea was just like, I want to do clothing. I like fashion, so I just want to do this. Uh, my wife is the one that came in with the idea to help kids. Like, how can we make this happen so that we help kids, right? So um, after that, um, I don't want to lose my train of thought. I just go everywhere. I'm excited to be in front of people. So, <laughs> you know? um, like first so, time interacting. Right, we all had that moment after quarantine. We're like, so, hey, how are you? How's it going? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I, I did that for two years and I just, I was patient, you know, cause I had worked in the car industry. I used to work for BMW. I used to work for Acura. I was making great money there. Um, but that wasn't a passion of mine. I was just doing it cause I got to drive nice cars and make good money. Right. Yeah. Um, but, um, I, like I said, I just focused on promise and that was my main focus. That was my main thing for two years. And last July, this opportunity came up to work in a facility with youth that are at-risk youth, probation youth, and youth with intellectual disabilities. Um, everything about it was, like, great. It sounded great, but, I like, it was so hard for me because I was so used to being home with my kids and my wife. Like, that's what I was used to, and I really had to pray about it and see if that's seriously what God wanted for me. And that door opened up. I took the position. I mean, they gave me the schedule I wanted, the pay I wanted, like everything just worked out. It fell into place. And my purpose is still youth, 
these youth are still broken and they're probably broken more than the not to disqualify what the kids in youth group are feeling but these kids don't have parents some of these kids don't have a home to go to so they're staying at our facility um they don't know what they're going to have for dinner because they you know they were abused they were beaten by their parents just because their parents had a bad day at work um and my purpose remained even though I wasn't in the position I thought I was going to be in for the rest of my life. So that's where I'm at right now, and I, I love it, man. It's so fulfilling. So special. And I think part of what we talked about on the phone was like, I, one of my questions was like, that can be tough work to deal with like an extreme need. And even like, you know, I know many of our community, I'm looking around the room knowing that they're involved in social work and in counseling, that can be a heavy burden to bear. It so is. how do you keep that motivation? I think um, I'm not allowed to talk about God at work, right? Unless the conversation opens up to me first, which it hasn't because that's the furthest thing on their mind is not God. It's going home, going back to doing drugs, going back. I was telling him a story. Uh, one of our kids, um, he came in. And he was on probation for something. He earned a home visit for New Year's. And I kept telling him, like, dude, you cannot go back home. You can't be getting into the same stuff you were into. He's like, dude, I'm not going to. I'm changed, blah, blah, blah. So five months. He, was, he had been at the facility for five months. Went home on New Year's Eve. Three hours later, we got a call that he was arrested for the same thing he had already done. Why? Because he went back to that same crowd. As much as I wanted to pin that on the mom because it was a home visit and he needed to stay, I couldn't. I couldn't do anything. Like That was her choice to allow him to go out, right? And it was our choice to allow him to earn that home visit knowing what the risk was. And now he's 18. So he went to real jail. He didn't go to juvie. He, he went to real jail. He's got court. He's, he's back at our facility now on house arrest and all that stuff. But all his privileges, all, everything has been taken away from him. But what keeps me motivated and what keeps me going is that um, there's that there's that little bit of like I know that I can have an impact on him. And it's just a tiny window that I can see in him where I see myself in him just a bit, like a little bit. And that's what motivates me. I'm like, dude, there's enough space for me to get in for me to have an impact on him. Like, I know I'm going to. That's my motivation, knowing that he's right now he doesn't know it, but he's slowly willing and openly wanting to change because he doesn't want to be stuck in this forever. And none of these kids do. So because I see myself in him just that little bit, I know that I can have an impact on him. And that's what motivates me. That's what pushes me to continue in my purpose, too. So, so good. And it's incredible. I think part of the work that you do is so special. I want to jump on something that he said just to help our community a little bit, because when we're talking about calling, really when we're talking about purpose that kind of fuels us back to First Thessalonians, I think one of the most powerful ways to live is to attach your purpose to people. Your motivation can't be success. It can't be money. It can't be just getting ahead. I think it's just a powerful way to live that just says, my purpose, I'm attaching this to people. To know that like every, the one, one thing we say around here is that people are our why. Why do you do what you do? It's, it's attached to somebody. And I, I'll tell you, even here in Louis' story, part of my own journey, like knowing that you're in this for people is the thing that keeps you going. 
when you want to quit in your own natural strength to know that, hey, there's people that are counting on me, or there's people in my life that, uh, you, you know, that I need to show up for, that I've got a responsibility as a leader. Just attaching your purpose to people, I think, is a really powerful way to live. And let me just say this. I think all of our hearts, as after becoming a Christian, should be opened up in some sense to be about people, be for people. To, to really know that, like, my heart, what does it beat for? It beats for our community. It beats for people. Why? Because that's God's heart. And when you begin to un- understand that, you know, this life with Jesus is to really have your heart become aligned with God's, the, the center truth, the, the, the thing that is the most aligning is your motivation just begins to shift towards people. Yeah, and just to kind of touch on what he said about success and money and all that stuff, social media has, like, ruined or it has the potential to ruin everybody's dreams right because that's my biggest battle i would say is a discouragement that comes from social media because i'm not where i should be on worldly standards uh worldly standard success is rich what kind of car you drive where do you live and all that stuff how many followers and all that but god's view of success for you is are you obedient to his word are you obedient to what he called you to that's how he views success. And I think everything else follows, but initially is, are you going to say yes to his initial question, his initial um, call, I guess, right? So as long as I know that I'm fulfilling what he's asked me to do, everything else will come into play. Yeah, so go there for a second, because I think it's a countercultural way to live when you begin to understand that, um, see, I think part of the, really the sins of our generation and culture is to kind of make your work an idol in the sense that a lot of us are attaching our identity to our jobs. It's like saying, you know, oh, I work in sales. I can tell. Or to say like, <laughs> you know, what do you do? Oh, I do ministry. How did you know? Oh, it's the Chelsea boots for me. Like, right, right. <laughs> I'm being playful, but really there's a temptation for all of us to like have, to find worth and really the deeper meaning of our, rooting our, the identity of our soul in the work that we do. Like being a creative, it, there's like an identity that comes along with that, that we see on Instagram or, or being in sales or being successful. And there's just this temptation where I think it's a, it's a dangerous place to be because when you're successful, it's too easy to fall in the trap of, of pride and to allow that to become, you know, just a, a, something for, for me to know this is my identity and it's all found in, but when you're not successful, then what happens? Then it destroys your self-worth and it just is kind of this, but see the life of faith, I often think that it opens us up to a whole new way of living, especially in this area, because it kind of insulates you from the ups and downs, from the, the depression and even from the pride with a new kind of way to live because faith says, my work is not the end goal. My work is the, the means that God will use to, to do something bigger. See, we, we have these pillars on either side of our relationship with Jesus. On one end, it's the great commandment, which is to love God and to love others. And on the other end of that, there's this pillar of the great commission, which is to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. But everything in between is to attach our work to God's work in the way that you say, so I'm, you know, I work at this retail store. Guess what? God can use that to build his kingdom. 
I'm a Starbucks barista. Guess what? God can use that to build his kingdom. I don't understand how grinding coffee all day is building God's kingdom, but guess what? You're taking care of God's creation. You're beginning to see, hey, I'm not just stuck in this role. It may be a small act. It may be just something obedient that this is the season. I'm just a college student. Oh, I'm just a, a nanny. I just, but all of this is being seen as we're opening up our lives to understand I'm building God's kingdom. And there's something special. I think there's, some, there's a power in living that way. Can you imagine a community that began to understand that I don't just work at, I don't just serve burritos at Chipotle. No, 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 I'm building God's kingdom. There's something special about living that way. So I think part of our conversation, you've talked about that kind of um, fire behind you, the motivation there between you're building something, building God's kingdom through a creative brand. Can you tell us a little bit about the story of um, the promised land? Were you always a clothing designer? No. Uh, and the other, before I get to yeah. that, I just want to say one thing, and Calling could be so confusing sometimes because we put so much value in what people tell us we should be doing. Hmm. Uh, we put so much value in what they like. If somebody tells you, oh, you sh I see you doing this and I see you doing that. And if you don't do that, you feel like you failed them. Wow. That was, that's my problem. People would always tell me, oh, I could see you in this. I could see you in that. Right. I could see you in youth ministry. I could see you being a youth pastor. So when that season ended... Pain came in, hurt came in, all, everything came in and tried to take me out because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing based off what people told me I should be wow, doing. Wow, so good. Right? Um, but to get back to what you just asked about um, Promised Land, how did, I, how did that get started? Yeah. Um, it started because, so I've, like I said, I've always, I've always been into fashion um, never had the money for it growing up, but I always, I mean, I liked it, right? Um, but I think what, what happened was I had, I had this vision, this dream for a clothing line, and I was just like, man, like, I'm just going gonna, gonna to go for it. I'm going to see, you know, because it did start as like, oh, I'm just going to do this because I want to have my own brand. Hmm. That was like, the thing. I, I like doing this. Sure. Or let me make what I like to wear, right? Um, and that's what that's what started it initially. And when the name actually came to me, I had no idea what to name it. I, I'm sure I came up with like 50 cheesy ideas, and names. And, what was the worst name? That uh, you dude, honestly, with? I don't, I don't remember. You don't remember? I don't. Okay. I I promise I I don't remember. <laughs> I would share it with you guys. Um, but I was in a service, and um, the, the the preacher he's up there and he's like, he starts talking about the promised land. And he's like, and remember that even in your call, like, even the promised land has giants, right? And I was like, dang, that's, like, that's good. That's a good line, Mars. you know? I was like, all right, cool. And I felt like, all right, I'm a, that's going to be the name, promised land. Like, that's it. So I did that. And then after that, um, I had the name. I had all that stuff. And um, not to, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I got on a FaceTime call with Jerry Lorenzo. This was like a whole like a God thing too. So cool. Um, and I had talked to him uh, and we had, a friend of mine was at a service where he was at and I wasn't able to make it, but he FaceTimed me and he was, he jumped on the phone with me. I was like, all right, cool. So anyway, I got on that phone call and he said, I got two time for two questions. Um, so then I asked him like, 
how do I get my brand going? I yeah. guess, you know, and he said, uh, the first thing is, what's the purpose for your brand? Because if it's money and to try to get rich, don't even do it. And then the second thing was, don't ever go away from your vision and your purpose, because once you do that, you've lost it. But if you stay in your vision and your purpose, everything else will fall into place. Um, and these are notes that I wrote down, and I just prayed in, prayed over them, man. And and after that, I would probably say, probably about a week or two weeks later, I'm sitting on the couch. My wife gets home from work, and she says, "Hey, I was thinking about Promise Land, and I, you know, I was thinking of how we could like have it be more than just a clothing brand." And I was like, "All right, sh- sure. Like, what what is it?" And she said. What if we took this brand and we gave back to where you're from? I'm from National City down in San Diego. Um, go Padres. Um, go Chargers. Go. go Clippers. Right? Um, anyway, I'm going to get started. You get kicked out for Stirring saying controversy yeah, yeah. here tonight. But um, so then, so my wife said, why don't we give back to the kids down there? And because I think there's a there's a really cool image to give back to the hood, but I don't think sure. there's really uh, people that, and this is, I'm not, no shade on anybody, but I don't Say think it. there's people that really want to get down and dirty with yes. the kids in the hood, right? They like the pictures in there, but they don't want to be down with the kids. Like, but I know what it's like, so I don't have a problem going into the communities and giving back, right? Um, so when my wife said that, I was like, dude, that's like, that's it. Let's do it. Yeah. So I just started reaching out to boys and girls clubs, YMCA's, all these people down in National City that would be willing. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, out of, I think it was like 22 places, one place got back to me. Wow. One Crazy. place accepted donations. One, the same place accepted donations for Christmas, for the summer, for uh, uh, back to school, and for spring break. One place out of 22 places that continue to advertise that they need help. That was like the most, if you want to talk about discouragement, that was like the most discouraging thing. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to give you guys free stuff and you guys don't even want to, like, do my design suck that bad, right? <laughs> Honestly, that's, that's like, that, that's like the <laughs> thing that came in, not why aren't they taking it? It's just yeah. like, does my clothes suck? Yeah. And, um, but that, that was like the whole thing. Like, man, I just want to give back to the kids. I want to be able to say this is what we do. Um, I'm not trying to manipulate anybody to buy stuff from me. I give out of my own pocket. I'm not rich off the brand. That's why I've, I work and my wife works. But I just want to make an impact with it, you know. And um, But that's the whole purpose behind it is to show the kids that God has a promised land for them, to show the kids that their end-all, be-all is not what their surroundings look like right now. Um, because I always thought if I didn't become a drug dealer or a hustler, then I had failed, right? Um, because that's what all my uncles and all my family, that's what they did. And if I didn't end up like them, then I had failed them in becoming whatever it was that they, that they had seen me as. So if I could give back to these kids and spread the good word and just tell them like the challenges that come up are going to, it's going to be worth it for you to fight through it. Like, there's something better for you. God has something better for you. It doesn't look like it right now, and it doesn't make sense right now, but it's there. Because I, I went through it. And that's why I could tell them, and that's, what, that's where that whole promised mm. land thing came from. So cool. I, th- I think that 
what you said there at the end is actually a, a powerful concept because we're talking about the promised land. Obviously, there's a reference there to the scriptural element where um, the people of Israel were wandering through the wilderness, and it's a whole there's a lot in that kind of metaphor. Um, but following there, then there's a, um, a moment where they step into the promised land, and I think part of what you're referring to about the giants that I want to ask you about in just a minute, but. Caleb and the spies go out, and there's a report brought back to Moses about what the promised land is like. And you can read the account. And it says, like Caleb says, God, 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 God promised this to us, and God can deliver us, and God can fight on our behalf. But the report that came back was they seem like, like giants, and they're, you know, it was them, 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 them. And even just like that contrast between the way to live your life, between like this is what God has called me to, and I know that this is what God can do, and not living to say, this is all the opposition that I face. I mean, certainly there's been probably a lot of challenges Absolutely. in developing a brand. And I mean, do you want to speak to just that like paradigm shift yeah. that you've had? Like, um, well, this past year didn't help us at all. Yeah. Like we had forward in Atlanta. We had signed up for that. So we were going to do that. Right. We had pop-ups lined up from February till August. Everything got canceled. Wow. Um, I did find out that this our generation likes to have everything right there. And then if it's online and they have to wait for it, they don't buy as much as having it in a pop-up shop, right? Um, so that kind of just threw everything off. But, um, you know, Joshua and Caleb were the only two that decided to go forth. And yeah. um, everybody else ran away when they, they were like, no, nah, I'm good on that. And it, trust me, it's a lot easier to give up than to keep going towards what your goal is. Um, because I've been one. Say that again. It's a lot easier to quit than to continue to go after what your goal is. So good. Um, because I've been there and I've wanted to. And I think I've told my wife and I could pull up text messages. I've told her, like, I want to quit this. I don't want to do this anymore. Yes. It's not worth it. Like, it's costing me way too much. Um, not just financially, but even stress, you know. Wow. And um because you're so stressed out with, oh, I got to do these deadlines and I got to do this and I got to do that. And I just told you the other day, like I gave up on deadlines, man. Like it's going to come out when it's going to come out. Right. Like that. I don't have huge manufacturers. I do everything myself. I screen yeah. print. I do all that. Right. So I don't I can't just call somebody and be like, hey, I need 100 shirts done by this day. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think for us, like we got to remember that. Joshua and Caleb knew that God's promise was God's promise no matter what was in the way. Yes. Because his promise doesn't change. His call for your life doesn't change. No matter what the um, obstacle in front is, no matter what the distraction in front of you is, his promise is still his promise over your life because the Bible says that God's not man that he should lie. Yes. The promise and the call over your life is never going to change. Mm -hmm. yeah. Our decisions and the way that we see it changes because sometimes it doesn't look exactly like he, like we thought it should, right? But if Joshua and Caleb wouldn't have gone through, then I mean, then that means you don't have faith in what God told you. Like he already told you, this is yours, so let's go get it. Like I'm with you, right? Yeah. I'm gonna walk through those giants with you. Yeah. But we get so scared because it doesn't look like what we think it should look like. I mean, I. I thought I was going to be rich. I was like, man, I'm the next Jerry Lorenzo. I'm the Come next on. Virgil. I'm like, that's the truth. I'll like, go. I got 200 people telling me, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait till this drops. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy that. Drop happens. It's like 10 orders. I'm like, oh, all right. 
what happened to everybody else? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I want to call them out. Like, hey, hey, you know what? We dropped. Check the website. But, so good. you know, my pride won't let me do that sometimes, man. And I, I got to put my pride aside sometimes. But for the better. Um, I think if you know God's promise for your life, you'll be willing to go after it no matter what gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Because you know that he's with you. And I think that's what we have to remember is that you're not in it alone. God promised it to you. He's going to be with you side by side. He already went, right? Because he knows the end from the beginning. So he already went before you. He's not going to set you up for failure. And if you do fail, it's okay because you'll get up again and you'll do it better the next time. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, guys, can you put that last verse from um, Thessalonians back up? I just want to read it one more time. Just understanding when we're talking about like, I think this is such a great reminder, especially for the season that I think a lot of us are in feeling like you may be trapped in your job or stuck in your, your position. And I think just this idea, what we're talking about there at the very end, your endurance is inspired by hope. So we're talking, you know, in the sense of calling, what, what does your work need? You're working for something. What are you working for? Faith. Faith in what God has promised you. Faith in the purpose that's on your life. What is your labor prompted by? What's the thing that allows you to keep waking up in the morning? It's love. Love that drives you. Love that keeps you, know, keeps you fueled in what it is that you're doing. And when it doesn't work out, what, what keeps you? And I'm going to ask about this 50507 there because I think this is really this idea about endurance and perseverance. Where does that come from? It comes from hope. 1 Corinthians 13, it says, three things remain. Everything else may fail. Three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. I want to challenge us because we think that these are emotional things. We think that these are just ethereal things. It's this, you know, faith, hope, and love. It's the thing that's out there in the sky, the, you know, the um, mystical part of faith. But these things are, they're concrete and they're rooted in something. It says, faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. And just to touch on that, when you don't know what your calling is, that's the one thing that God is calling you to. Yes. Faith, hope, and love. So go and love people. That's, start there, you know, um, with this whole quarantine stuff and the whole political everything. Like, I saw a lot of ugly Christians a lot yeah. of ugly things, not just Christians, a lot of ugly things. And, um, you know, it's, it's crazy, man, because you preach faith, hope, and love, but you feel hopeless when you see certain things that, wow. that are hurting, you know, like, um, not to get on a political thing, but are you guys okay if I share something that I feel and, um, don't, don't cancel my brand. <laughs> um, <laughs> This whole thing with Israel and Palestine, like, do you guys, not you guys, but do people really think that God doesn't love the Palestinian people? Wow. Because that's not true, right? It might not be right what they're doing or whatever it is, but God loves everybody. Yes. And to have it be one-sided is kind of unfair because I think love is across the board. Yes. Right? He didn't say, okay, well, we're not going to love them, but we're going to go ahead and love. No, it's love across the board. It's everybody. Um, but that's just, that's how strong love is, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, it has no boundaries, no, you know, um, and really good. If you don't know what you're calling is, then just go after those three things, faith, hope, and love. And I think from there, God will start showing you 
where your next step is. Um, but what was the question? No, I think, I mean, what, <laughs> what was that again? <laughs> I think just, I mean, think of how easy it is, though, for us to live our lives from a place uh, where we have unbelief and doubt, where we have hopelessness in, when, op- when you know, trials come and opposition comes, where there's a lack of love, where there's, you know, just fueled by everything else. And so I think, like, easily we can toss these things away. But these are the things we ought to remain back to the center. And I'll just tell you, like, I love what you shared there because love, think of the power of love. It is the bridge between all people. I mean, this is what our world needs. Come on. It's like in 2021, if we haven't figured it out by now, this spiritual maturity is not about knowing a lot. Right. It's about loving a lot. This we're we're after oh you know I, I can speak in tongues this many th- and this was the problem right is I go to church and I am part of this small group and I did free chapel plus all this no 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 it's love it's and I think the reason Paul says the greatest of these is love is because out of all of them this is going to be the only thing that's eternal that's a real test yeah consider this there will be a day where we no longer need faith when we get to heaven faith is the access. It's the entrance into heaven, but we won't need faith because one day everything that we have faith in will become sight. And there's a time when we will no longer need hope because hope will become reality. But there'll never be a time, even in heaven, where we don't need love because heaven will be the presence of love itself. God is love. Love in its fullest extent will always... And the thing bringing heaven, like we pray, establishing God's kingdom, all of our lives should be just a means to loving people, to serving God's kingdom by establishing these things. And I think, so what would you say, facing opposition, keeping hope alive, how we, what would you say to you know, someone that may be feeling like there's giants in their promised land, or they're in their purpose, but they're feeling like just there's an incredible opposition that's come against them? Um, I would say... I think to just kind of touch back on what I said is God's promise is real. You know, he's not going to be like, oh, if you do this, you get to, this is what I have for you if you do this, right? And then it takes away. No, it's like what he said is yours is yours. Yeah. Um, But also when there's opposition, like just know there's like breakthrough on the other side of it. And I can attest to it. I know it's a cheesy, cliche Christian line like, oh, the breakthrough's on the other side of that. You just got to get through that tough season. But it's true because I've, I've seen it and I've yeah. experienced it. Um, when I doubted, when I was discouraged because things weren't going the way I thought they should be, um, you know, I still held on to that little bit of faith, but there was more discouragement than there was faith or that there was hope. Um, but when, there's, when you face those distractions, um, I could say, like, if social media is distracting you, get off social media for, at, for a week. Yeah. You know, if some if if a friend or somebody's raining on your parade and telling you like, man, you're crazy for doing that. Like I was literally talking to my barber this morning about that. I was telling him, I was like, dude, you know, what's crazy. It's like our words have so much power. But because we sound crazy when we say we're going to be successful, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We sound crazy. People look at you like, man, this dude's crazy. What is he talking about? You know, Um, but that's what we have to do. We form our world with our words. Right. And if we start saying like, oh, yeah, we suck at this and this sucks and I'm never going to do that and I feel stuck. Guess what? You're going to be stuck. But um, when the opposition comes, like 
That's why you have a relationship with God. Talk to him. You don't have to sit there and get into this detailed prayer. Just be like, God, like, what's going on? Why do I feel stuck? He'll highlight why, you're feel, why you feel stuck. Sometimes he highlights it to me because he's like, dude, you're not, you've lost focus of your purpose for this brand, and you're trying to do it for success. You're trying to do it to show off, get, align your vision back to where I told you to go, and I got you. But once you start going off the track, he's going to be like, all right, go, go ahead, try it on your own, you know? And that's when we feel stuck is when we're off track, we feel like we've lost it. We feel like we need to give up. We need to, you know, or sometimes we're like, man, yeah, this isn't for me. Let me try this now. Um, but the one story that comes to mind and is like Elijah, you know, to, or Elijah when he sends a servant up to see, to look for the cloud, right? Because when the one, things go bad one time, you want to go up and then it's like, go back again. And, you know, it's, it sounds crazy. Like I already tried it once and it didn't work. I tried it twice and I failed. Um, but Elijah sends his servant up to the mountain to look for this cloud seven times, right? And I'm sure when the servant went up there, he saw, he was like, he's looking for these storm clouds. He's probably looking like, oh man, if it's, you know, if it's going to flood, like we got to find like a storm clouds, not just, but what does he find? He sees not after the fifth or sixth time, after the seventh time, he sees a cloud the size of a man's hand, Right? We would have been looking for something that dictate or that, that portrays rain. A, a cloud the size of a man's hand does not portray rain. Does not portray a storm, right. right? But Elijah knew what God's promise was. Elijah knew what God had told them, so he knew he had enough faith in that small cloud to tell him, "All right, let's go. We better we better pack up. We better get going because the storm's coming," right? And not only that, maybe we're not ready the first three times. What if I give up on promised land the first three years and I never knew, I, I would have never know what it could have been. Yeah. Right? If he would have given up the, the fifth time, that storm probably, he, he wouldn't have known what he's missing. Mm -hmm. So that's why you got to persevere. That's why you got to endure the process of it because it sucks. I'm going to be real with you. It sucks. It costs a lot. Sometimes you're tired. You don't want to do it. It's easier to give up and get a regular job. But I know what God has promised me. Yeah. And that's what remains. That If everything else goes away, his promise still remains. Yeah, so good. Right? And I guess just to end, like to kind of end that topic is like um, when, when we have to go back repeatedly, it's probably because we weren't ready the first three or four times. Hmm. Right? There's something that's out of alignment. Um, and just, I guess just to go back, it's like a lot of times for me, like the money was never the reason why I started the brand, but it started to take over the, the reason for it. And when I started doing it for that, I noticed that things didn't go as well because I just, you know, I started going off track. Um, and if God would have been like, all right, open up the floodgates, let's get this dude a thousand orders. I don't know what would have happened. Honestly, I would have lost yeah. control of it, would have had money, would have done this or whatever, but then I would have lost the purpose of what the brand is for. Yeah, yeah. And I think just that idea, so faith isn't the thing that keeps you from falling. Faith is the thing that helps you to get back up. Absolutely. To keep returning seven times, to believe it may look small, 
but this is what God has promised Absolutely. me to know that this is what I'm in it for. This is why I keep persevering. This is why I keep, keep going. Pastor Jensen shared an incredible message with our community this past Sunday. I encourage you to go back and listen to it if you haven't already. Um, but he talked about how the purpose is bigger than the problem. He said two things I just want to remind us all of. He said, number one, that the purpose existed before the problem did. We're dealing with a God that is outside of time. So to think that God is somehow thrown off by the problems that come our way is in some ways a little bit crazy because he has called us to a purpose before any problem ever did exist. To know that this didn't take God by surprise. Maybe we talked about it even last month. The journey between ask and receive is that God is trying to form something in me. It's a journey that he's preparing me for. Then there was a, a moment where he talked about how even the problem, the part of the redemptive quality of God is he will use problems to get us to our purpose. Yeah. It's this upside down way of thinking because we think that if we're experiencing a problem or experiencing opposition, it must mean that God has forgotten his promise or that God has run into an obstacle or that this must not be it. But think of the redemptive quality of our God, that he can use all things to work together for our good. It's oftentimes problems that come our way or pain that comes our way or opposition that comes our way that God will use as the thing to propel us into our purpose. I want to challenge us tonight for you to think in your life, what's, is there, has there been a problem that you feel like God has disqualified your purpose? Has there been a pain point in your life, something that you've experienced that you've gone, God must have forgotten? Or this must not be it anymore. Or I, I must need to change gears. Some area in your life where you feel like this is the thing that's going to disqualify me. This is going to thing that's gonna, the thing that's going to kill me. This is going to be the thing that's going to take me out of the race. Right. And just to kind of touch on that, um, it just came to me right now. If so, if I wouldn't have worked the jobs that I worked, right, or been the youth pastor, I would have been where I'm at now, kind of lost. And what I'm doing, really not knowing how to handle certain situations. So everything that you're working in, everything that you're doing, there's a reason for it, right? Because I wouldn't have known how to handle certain situations with these kids if I wasn't in youth. Mm -hmm. But also, if I would have thought that youth ministry was what I had to do for the rest of my life, I would have been lost in that because that's not where I would have been. That's not where I had to be for the rest of my life. That's not what my career was going to be. And I just want to tell you guys, like, um, ministry is not always in a church setting. Ministry could be your job that you're at. Ministry is your home. Ministry is your family. It's not always a church setting. So if you don't get the job that you apply for in a church, it's all good. Because God's going to use you where you're at. Right? It's really good. Um, But I just, like, I just want to say, like, even if you don't like your job right now, there's a reason for it. It's for the it's for the future. It might not be for right now. You might want to just quit and give up, but there there's something that you're learning there, whether it's uh, communicating with people, um, or you know building relationships for down the line. Whatever it is, God is you. It could be one percent, one thing in that job, but you need to work there in order to gain that experience. So, can you tell us the story of five seven there? Yeah. Um, so this is uh, coming up our spring and summer launch, and the zero five zero seven is Galatians five seven uh, to run your race, right? Um, 
and the whole um i guess the theme for the launch is endure endurance and to run your race don't worry about what anybody else is doing what has god called you to do run your race um, and endure the process during the race right so this whole thing is kind of just like a marathon it's not you know it's not a, a hundred meter dash it's it's a it's a marathon like this whole life thing is is not it's not something that's going to happen overnight um but yeah i mean i think that's that's also part of our calling is worrying about what god has called us to stop worrying about what everybody's called you to and stop worrying what your friends are doing like don't go be don't want to be don't go wanting to be like a photographer or a musician or whatever because your friends are doing it what are you graced to do yes not everybody is graced to sing i wish i could be a worship leader and they know I w that is like my dream to <laughs> sing. I suck. But I'll worship, you know, I'll worship in the front row, hands up there and everything. But I mean, that's just not what I'm graced to do. You guys are graced for something and that's what you guys got to find. And that's what you guys got to focus on. If you focus on what you're graced on, you'll never feel burnt out. Because God that's has really graced good. you for it. Yeah. And it's a burden. Right? It's not a weight. It's not an extra weight. It's God's burden on your life to do that. So he'll grace you for, for what you're called to do. Yeah, so good. I think it's just an appropriate way for us to end, even as the team comes. I want to read that. Galatians 5, 7. You were running a good race, but who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? For that kind of persuasion, the kind that knocks you off your race, the kind that gets you to quit, the kind of persuasion that gets you to give up, to stop believing, to stop hoping, that doesn't come from the one who calls you. You were running a good race, but who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion doesn't come from the one who calls you. Can we say, say thank you to Louie and just give our appreciation to him tonight? So good. We love you.